0: Live like no one else, so that later you can live and give like no one else. Dave Ramsey. Welcome to Retire Mentorship, your mentor to and through retirement. I'm your host, Freeman Lindy, Certified Financial Planner. Today we ask the question, is Dave Ramsey wrong? The popular radio show host and personal finance teacher has a lot to say about money, some of which earns him a lot of flack from other financial professionals. Some would say he's misguided. Others contend he's plain wrong. Is he or are detractors wrong? That's coming up on the Retirementership Podcast. First, the retirement Two minute Tune-In, primary points of the podcast in two minutes. Dave Ramsey is known for many teachings on money and his fiery personality and entertaining style. Much of what he says is not controversial, and no one would argue with him on those points. But other statements and beliefs have drawn criticism. Let's look at five statements that Dave Ramsey teaches that are controversial. We'll call them the Ramsey Rules, and for each, we'll see who is wrong, Dave or his detractors. Ramsey Rule 1, pay off debt instead of leveraging lower interest to build wealth. Detractors include lenders and creditors who would like you to keep your debt, and investment professionals who prefer you invest with them instead of putting that cash towards debt. Who wins? Dave Ramsey is the first to put points on the board. We'll explore why, for the vast majority of Americans, the rule rings true. Even with the math on their side, the detractors lose. Ramsey rule number two. Use a debt snowball. Paying off your debts in order of smallest to largest balance, instead of by highest to lowest interest rate. Detractors include econs, people who always think and act rationally and logically, like Spock, and those who still think math is more important than behavior. Who wins? Dave wins this one by a mile. By a mile! It's not even close. Stay tuned for why. Ramsey Rule 3. Investing in a good growth stock mutual fund will earn you 12% annual returns. Detractors include permanent life insurance agents who seek to reduce the positive impacts of equity investing. They also include all investment advisors and academics who have studied long-term investing at all. Who wins? Well, decidedly not life insurance agents or anyone else seeking to scare people away from the markets. An important point, and I'll explain why. But ignoring them, I'd say Dave Ramsey is wrong, points to the detractors, but not as many as you would think. Ramsey Rule 4, you need 10 times your income and investments to retire and can withdraw 8% per year. Detractors include certified financial planners, retirement planners, investment advisors, academics, and everyone else. Who wins? Detractors. By a mile. This rule is the only thing Dave Ramsey says where I vehemently disagree. Thankfully, he doesn't say it often, and no one would consider it a core tenet of the Ramsey doctrine. But for everyone who does believe and follow it, they are in for destruction. Ramsey Rule 5. Always avoid cash value life insurance and get 10-12 to 12 times your income and level term life insurance. Detractors include, obviously, life insurance companies and agents who make far more money on the sale and payment of cash value or permanent life insurance than on term. They also include some financial planners and thoughtful strategists. Who wins? Dave wins on the permanent point, but could use some refinement on his term recommendations and his always. We'll explore all of these in depth on the Retirement Mentorship Podcast. This is part one of two. We'll lay some groundwork and cover Ramsey rule one today and tackle the next four next week. If you're subscribed, you'll automatically get part two in your podcast player of choice. Is Dave Ramsey wrong? Part one. If you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, I'm not sure where you've been. He has one of the longest-running and most popular finance radio programs in the nation and has several best-selling books and a very successful personal finance class. He has a lot of memorable quotes and teachings. Some of his statements include, We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went, originally by John Maxwell. You must gain control of your money or the lack of it will gain control over you. Those who don't manage their money will always work for those who do. Give every dollar a job, on paper, on purpose, before the month begins. Act your wage. He's also known for being gentle with many who call into his show looking for genuine help, and then absolutely lambasting others who need him tough love. As a listener to these two episodes, you probably fall into one of three categories with your relationship to Dave Ramsey. 1. Raving fan. You're subscribed to his podcast, you've taken Financial Peace University, you've read the book, you're working the baby steps, you've tuned in to confirm either that Dave Ramsey is right about everything, or to catch me in the act of heresy, blaspheming against Dave. You are, after all, on a first name basis. Two, casual observer. You've heard some of what Dave Ramsey says, and some of it makes sense. You're trying to do some of it, but maybe you're not doing all of it. You find the rice and beans part difficult, and some of the other teachings don't seem to apply to you. You're curious about what this is all about. 3. Murderous detractor. Okay, not that you would actually murder Dave, but you sure would appreciate it if he would just shut up. Or at least stop talking about X and get back to talking about debt and budgeting. If you're in this camp, you're probably a life insurance agent or a financial services rep that works for an insurance company that also provides investments. You're tuned in because you were hoping the answer to the eponymous question would be a screaming, yes, Dave Ramsey is wrong. Where do I stand? Let's get my biases out in the open right away. I'm grateful to Dave Ramsey and the message he delivers. I first got hooked on finance when I read his book, The Total Money Makeover, in one sitting. Couldn't stop. That's when it first clicked for me. Wow, you can do a lot with money when you know what you're doing. I've been through his class, listened to his show, and recommended it to many others to do the same. Overall, I'm a fan of his work. He's helped many people transform their finances, their lives, and the lives of those around him. It's pretty spectacular. But I'm also not a zealot. I don't blindly follow or believe everything he says. Most of it has been verified by other sources, so I believe and follow it. So let's think critically about some of the things he has put out there and their veracity. First, let's lay down some foundations. You'll notice at the end that of the five teachings and questions, the score ends up tied. This may lead you to conclude that Dave is only half right about everything. Put that notion from your mind. I deliberately chose five questions that would end up half and half. Overall, I think he's much more right than wrong. There are three things I think Dave does exceptionally well. One, behavior over math. You'll see this theme throughout the questions we explore and the rest of the teachings we don't. Dave is far more concerned about what you actually do versus what the math says you should do. Your behavior, born from knowledge and belief, is the most significant indicator of your overall financial health and wealth. More than anything else, even more than teaching on getting out of debt and budgeting, Dave's focus on behavior is his number one asset. It's the real secret why so many people have been so successful with his method. Number two, teaching to believing. I like the way Dave teaches. We talked about this in The Seven Pillars of Victory, that you need knowledge and belief to be victorious. We talked about the dangers of learning by Googling. More than anyone else, Dave's Ramsey's book and class teach people in a methodical and engaging way how to deal with their finances. And he does it in a way so that people actually believe it and act on it. I've never met a person who paid the $100 or so for his class, went through the whole thing, and didn't come out on the other side significantly better off. And three, step-by-step plan. If you know me or have worked with me in my planning practice, you know I eschew lengthy and convoluted plans for a one-page financial plan. Actionable steps that you can take to materially change your life in one page. Dave's method does the same. First, the principles and actions to take immediately. Organize, budget, get the right insurance, start doing certain things, and stop doing others immediately. Then, the ongoing plan, the baby steps to transforming your life. Excellent. You'll see these themes woven into the points that Dave Ramsey scores on the questions. We'll also see two themes that lose him points. One, general advice for the general public. Dave is speaking to all America, across a wide variety of socioeconomic backgrounds, spanning an array of temperaments and inclinations about a plethora of financial topics. That being the case, he needs to give advice that will apply to the largest number of people without addressing all the caveats and the it-depends situations. The broad rules of thumb can be hard to implement for some and plain wrong for others. This doesn't mean he should stop saying everything he says. While there are a couple of things I wish he would stop saying, or at least give the caveat that applies to most people and not everyone, it mostly means that you should know if you are an exception and what that exception is. Two, Ancient Advice. Say what you want about Dave Ramsey. He stays on message and sticks to his guns. Like a band that has been playing their number one hit for 30 years, I'm not sure how he isn't tired of saying the same thing in the same way for as long as he has. I'm sure he is tired of some of it, but he's also passionate about it. While much of what he says is timeless principles that don't change, some of it should have been updated over the last two decades and hasn't been. With all that preamble, let's dive into what we are calling the Ramsey Rules and explain who is wrong, Dave or his detractors. Ramsey Rule 1, pay off debt instead of leveraging lower interests to build wealth. The Ramsey Method is best known for its teaching on getting out of debt, closely followed by its teaching on budgeting. I already mentioned that I think his focus on behavior is the root of his success, but the tree, what everyone sees, is getting out of debt. No one on earth believes it's a good idea to maintain credit card debt at 15 to 30% interest. Even the credit card companies who charge it don't honestly believe people should continue to rack up credit card debt. Everyone knows it's dumb and terrible. It's a great example of why belief and action are superior to knowledge. Everyone knows it, but still, millions of Americans carry credit card debt. There isn't anyone who thinks it's good for people to carry other high-interest debt, such as personal loans or credit lines, in the 8 to 12% range. So we are going to ignore all the medium and high-interest debt in this discussion. Where the disagreement happens is in the low-interest debt, particularly auto and mortgage debt. Let's ignore the lender and creditor detractors, banks and credit unions. They have an apparent reason to be opposed to avoiding mortgages and auto loans. That's where they make all their money. what about financial advisors? Many contend that people should keep their low interest debt. If you can borrow at 3% on a mortgage and make 7 to 8% with equity investing, you should do that. Let's say you refinance your house and pull $100,000 out of it on a 30-year mortgage at 3%. You then turn around and invest that and make 6% after all taxes and fees. You make $6,000 in gains on the investment in year one. Let's say that you are also paying the mortgage back down with that same investment. So you need to pay the $421 per month mortgage payment, and that's $5,000 per year. So at the end of the year, you've made about $1,000 and have $101,000 invested. Now, that earns you $6,060, not $6,000. After mortgage expenses, you have another $1,000 to add, and you have $102,000. That earns you $6,120 and it keeps compounding. After 30 years, you have paid off the $100,000 mortgage and have $148,000 left over. Why wouldn't you do that? This is the math argument financial professionals use against Dave. You do it Dave's way, and you get nothing. Follow the math, you get $150,000. Or what about auto loans? Many professionals argue against Dave's pay cash for cars methodology. They recommend against paying cash for cars. If you can save $500 per month for three years to buy an $18,000 car, then you should instead be investing that $500 per month for those three years. When you need the car in three years, take out a five-year loan at 3% and make car payments of $325. Then you can continue to invest $175 per month of the $500 while you are paying on the car. If you do the math, you will have more in your investments than if you pay cash for the car. The math is on the side of the detractors. So why does Dave win? In a vacuum, the math does work better, and the detractors do win. But life is not operated in a vacuum. I believe Dave wins this rule for two reasons, behavior and risk. Behavior. The vast majority of Americans are not financially fit. We make poor financial decisions and spend far more than we save, and even more than we make. Let's take just one aspect of behavior, retirement savings. The golden rule of saving for retirement is to put 15% of your gross income toward retirement. Most Americans aren't doing this. Many are not saving at all, and many more only save the 3-5% they need to get their employer's 401k match not a dime more. That's a far cry from the 15% recommended by the same professionals who advocate car loans. One of the main reasons for this lack of retirement savings is the amount of American cash flow going toward debt payments. It's hard to save 15% of your income when 36% is going towards debt. Why 36%? That's considered a good debt to income ratio for an auto loan. Even though you have over a third of your gross income going towards debt, you're good to go. Some will go as high as 48%. It's no wonder people aren't saving 15% for retirement. Half their money is going towards debt payments. It's hard to save for the future when you are still paying for the past. Let me say that again. It's hard to save for the future when you are still paying for the past. Most Americans don't take out a car loan so that they can leverage a low interest rate to invest more. They aren't borrowing at 3% so they can invest at 7%. They aren't choosing a payment so that they can increase their retirement savings from 15% to 18%. We take out a car loan so that we can buy more car than we can afford. Instead of saving for retirement, we spend on shiny new toys with a new car smell. Detractors can grouse about arbitrage and leveraging debt all they want, and the math may make sense in a vacuum, but in the real world it breaks down. People borrow to spend more, not to save more. Dave Ramsey's goal is to get people out of debt so they can actually have enough cash flow to save what they should be saving. He's after behavior, not math. And unless you are saving 15% of your gross household income, in retirement, and have as much in retirement as you should to be on track, you cannot argue against Dave Ramsey's logic. Those requirements alone will silence at least half of the detractors. Okay, that makes sense with auto loans. People don't borrow to save more, they borrow to spend more. But what about mortgages? Obviously, you can borrow more than you should and buy more house than you should. But what about those who are in a modest home and are saving enough for retirement already? Why not refinance their home, take cash out, and invest it, as we discussed earlier? That brings us to the second reason, risk. I'll be brief because I'm going to do an entire episode on it soon. Subscribe to get that episode in your player of choice, but here's the basics. Borrowing money to invest means taking on a fixed obligation for a variable reward. Regardless of the investment, or how your income changes, or your job status, or other life circumstances, you must make the mortgage payment. There is a cash flow risk. You refinance, but then a recession hits. You lose your job and can't find another one. You may- can't make the payments on the mortgage with the cash flow anymore. So you are forced to pull money from where you invested it. But you're in the middle of a recession, so the investments are down. You sustain thirty percent losses on your attempts to make more money through refinancing. Or in our example earlier, you lose $30,000. Why? Because the math was supposed to work. Part of the reason people perform so poorly with their investments over time is that they pull money out when the market is down, turning a temporary decline into a permanent loss. Often it is because of the fourth horseman, panic. They withdraw because they are scared it won't come back. But many withdraw money because of payments, not panic. They have so much of their cash flow wrapped up in fixed expenses that they cannot sustain changes in their inflows. And when those changes are forced upon them, they must pull from their investments. They don't choose to pull money from their investments when they're down. They are forced to. And if your immediate response to this is, well, don't invest all of it in equities. Invest some in fixed income so that it will be there when the mark goes down. After fees and taxes, your fixed income will likely earn you less than your interest rate on your loan. There is little to no reason to do that. Leveraging lower interest rates to invest at higher average returns does not serve you when everything goes down at once. It adds risk. Behavior and risk. For those two reasons, points go to Dave on Ramsey Rule number one. Again, Ramsey is talking to the masses. This is a rule, and there are some exceptions to the rule. In my planning practice, I have clients who are saving 20% or more of their income, have a year's worth of expenses and savings, and are doing everything else they should be doing with their finances. And they choose to have a car payment because they like to maintain their additional investing. Or they refinance their home and invest it because they can tolerate and support the additional risk. It's part of an overall plan. But these people are the exception, not the rule. There's a big difference between what should be told to one person, based on their life circumstances, and what should be told to everyone in general. On the one hand, we have one person telling the general public that they should pay off all their debt quickly to free up cash flow to save aggressively. On the other, you have people telling the general public they should keep low interest debt to invest their cash flow, which they most likely don't have the vast majority of Americans would be better off following the Ramsey rule than his detractors. Dave wins round one. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week to cover the remaining four rules. Dave is right about some things you might expect him to be wrong about, and wrong about others, but not in the way you'd expect. I'll see you next week. This podcast is educational only and is not intended to be investment, legal, or tax advice or recommendations, whether direct or incidental. Again, this is not investment advice. Consult your financial, tax, and legal professionals for specific advice related to your specific situation. Never take investment advice from someone who doesn't know you in your specific situation. All opinions expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the speakers expressing them, all performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Retirement mentorship is not affiliated with or controlled by any registered investment advisor, broker-dealer, or other financial services company.